Hello and welcome to the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. My name is Ross LeCain. I'm bringing my 25 years industry experience together with leading experts around the globe to give you the insights on how to live a better life and grow a profitable mortgage broking business that you are proud of. Welcome to another episode of the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. I'm Ross LeCain and uh, I say it's a global podcast and we're going global, not too global, but across the ditch to uh, New Zealand. Uh, and we've got the number two um, broker in New Zealand on the line today. So uh, welcome, Deb Dingra. Uh, thank you, Ross. Thank you for the opportunity and thank you for setting up this podcast, uh, which you've been doing for, from, a, you know, from a good time and interviewing some good people, which I've just gone through. It's quite nice. Excellent, excellent. And it's a pleasure to have you here because, you know, I just saw that you've been noted in the in the top 100 in, in the global mortgage broking. So uh, that's a, a big honor. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you so and much. And you're also number two in uh, the top brokers within New Zealand. So uh, that's a, it's a great honor as well. Exactly. Thank you so much. So you're the CEO of Fundmaster, a mortgage broking and insurance company. And uh, you started in November 2012. So I'm really keen to understand you know, how you got into mortgage broking in New Zealand and uh, share a bit of the journey on, on those early days with us. Yes, uh, why not? Uh, 2012 was a uh, you know, turning point in my career or the starting of my mortgage broking world. I used to work with a bank called ASD Bank, uh, which is CBA's subsidiary in New Zealand. And working with ASB, I would say the opportunity was given by ASB for me to learn and grow with them. So I always have them uh, in my heart and I always thank them for making me who I am in terms of giving me the opportunity. Um, so I was in ASB bank before I became a mortgage broker, but mortgage broking came at a very different level. New Zealand market was going uh, on high speed, was just picking up the momentum. And I had met, uh, Brian Greer, who was a loan market CEO in New Zealand, uh, at that time was Allied Kiwi CEO, who I met, and uh, I was literally motivated. And basically, uh, from his motivation, I you know, took up on the challenge to be a mortgage broker. It was very shaky for me at that time to leave uh, salary in the bank, mm. uh, but I had some other colleagues as well who were going into that uh, broking industry. So it was, it was good. It was nervous. I was very nervous at that time, but it all went well because it was a great challenge and a lot of good people uh, from the, within the bank and outside the bank who made sure that I became successful in terms of helping me, giving me business and supporting me. So how important is stuff. that, you know, when you are starting, how is it important is it to lean on other people to get their advice and help with the, the structures? You want to talk a bit about on that? Yeah, it's very, very important uh, to get the right uh, initiation. See, at the end of the day, you've been a mortgage broker. We all you know, understand that there's a lot of hard work which goes in being an advisor or broker. Uh, but when you have the right people who come in at the right time to tell you that this is the way to do it, we are going to back you up. And some people who are within the industry and outside the industry back you up and say, we have full confidence in you. Go for it even though they know that you have to do all the work, but you know the piece of advice and the confidence that you get, it's very, very important and very key for anyone to start on the journey. 
Yeah, excellent. Can you remember any pieces of advice, any gold nuggets you got on the start of your journey that's helped you in your career? Yes, uh, you know, I remember the, the biggest piece of nugget I got, which was from ASB, was customer service. Mm. You know, make sure that you look after your customers because and that's what was reiterated by my mentor as well uh, from Allied TV, Brian Greer. And he did mention that make sure that you do the best for your customers making sure that you keep a balance between the customer and the bank, because you can't sway towards one. You have to make sure that the bank, who we are representing in front of, in front of the customer, is also the requirements are met. But making sure that the customer's interest is at heart and making sure that the bank, so it's like a, creating a balance. So that was the best nugget I got. And then a BDM from Westpac Bank also gave me the same nugget. He says that planning is a key. Make sure you plan, because once you start getting on your feet, and you start running, business starts to follow you, you would have no time planning. But I didn't listen to him because I was more, <laughs> I wanted to <laughs> more, run faster than. <laughs> yeah, more focused on getting the uh, the business going. So what were yeah. some of the tactics that you took at that point? Obviously, you start with a zero pipeline of clients. What were some of the things that you did when you first got into the business to generate business? Um, the first point is I was in my you know, ASB days, I had a BDM role as well. So I was doing more community work in terms of setting up a segment for the bank. From there on, I was also doing a lot of radio as a radio jockey. So I used to work as a radio jockey on an Indian radio station in New Zealand by the name of Radio Tarana. And from there, I was always going out in the community, talking to a lot of people, which was always a forte for me to go out on stage and talk to people and do I used to do a lot of master of ceremonies as well. Yeah. So I used to conduct shows and music shows and things and dance shows and go out and do stuff. So I was always outspoken and outward. So I did, uh, it did help me in terms of going and talking to a lot of real estate agents, a lot of real estate agents who helped me. A lot of people, the customers who I got in, I started working with them, helping them. So it was more of business development and joining as many organizations and making sure that I was present and available in every community function, every public function, and making sure that wherever people and there were gatherings, I made sure I was present there as a volunteer, not as a person who's sitting on the stage, but as a volunteer to show that I'm one of you know us one who's just them. trying to do yeah. one yeah. of them who's just trying to work mm. in terms of getting them the best solutions from the bank. In terms of financial, isn't that, isn't that a beautiful thing about uh, mortgage broking? Our market is so big in terms of if you put yourself out there and add value, no matter what community it is, whether it's a sporting community, a local community, as as you've mentioned, or you know, yeah. um, the fact is, you know, a lot of those people, as soon as they learn what you do, and the fact that you're showing up, you're adding value, you're one of them. You know, a lot of people have mortgages, right? So just by putting yourself out there in your sphere and expanding your sphere, you you get business in. So um, I love that. Love that. Definitely, definitely. It's and basically, I think Ross, uh, you touched on it very, and that's the point which I tell all my brokers that be out there. Business is not going to come through the door if you're sitting inside a room. Obviously, lockdown you have, mm. but even in lockdown, if you're out and about, you know, Facebook live sessions, interviewing different people doing segments, um, which is now a new thing. But in older days, going back to 2012, it was all about being out there, 
and in front of people and making sure that you was always there to help me in what way possible you could. Yeah, love it, love it. And uh, I think that's great for anyone that's getting started in this mortgage broking industry or anyone who's been there for a long time. And yeah. I was listening to a, a little YouTube clip by Jim Rohn this week. And one of the things he was talking about was on time, right? So how much time are you actually spending belly to belly with clients and you just touched it then and in lockdown and where we are at the moment you can do facebook lives and give to people you can pick up the phone you can do zoom calls you but how many times are you actually spending actually adding value out there within your clients and your community and if you focus on that not just for yourself but for the whole team it's really really powerful right to exactly we've got the all the the back end work we do and my staff used to do a lot of the stuff on the back end i'm like does the client know that you're doing this? Have you actually given them the updates and uh, picked up the phone and uh, and made the calls? Because again, what's the point if we're not providing that service and we're not giving the the time to the client? So I love that. Exactly. So um, so that was November 2012 when you got started. And how quickly did you sort of start getting some runs on the board and getting settlements through? Uh, very interesting, uh, I must say that I started running from the get-go. Mm -hmm. uh, I did my the first month of commissions was more than my annual salary in the bank. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it just gave me a lot of confidence. I did uh, 66 million in my first year um, as a single broker who was trying to run around and do everything. I started from my garage. And uh, in a you know so a small suburb called Farmco, out in Pekoranga, East Auckland, mm -hmm. and that's where I started working. And there was a lot of support, as I said, from a lot of people, my wife, um, a lot of community people, a lot of other friends. There was a lot of support which came through. And runs on the board, as I said, it was just I I couldn't thank people enough that how much of uh, leverage or mileage I got from a lot of people. And it was, it was all word of mouth. I didn't have a website. I didn't have any other means of advertising. I didn't go on radio. I didn't do any typical advertising material. The only thing which came through was my word of mouth and my customers who I could do a good job. And most importantly, the bankers. A lot of bankers did tell me and train me in terms of how to you know, basically process for their bank. So I was an ASB product. I knew how to go deal in ASB where the decision engine was quite quick. But in ANZ, uh, the broker assessor I got at that time was really helpful in terms of helping me. And in basically this fact, I had someone very good who helped me and they were business managers. So all these people helped me as well to ascertain and understand uh, the different banking policies so I could be quicker and I could deliver faster to my customers in terms of service. And that made a lot of customers come through. Yeah, love it. So yeah, you know, again, some great nuggets there, sort of obviously the power of word of mouth, the power yeah. of networking, but not just networking um, to get business. And I always say this networking to do business. And so yeah. that internal networking with those banking relationships is so important because one, they give you, again, they gave you the training on how to structure and how to put a deal and how to, 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 um, you know, get favourable responses uh, with with those key lenders, which then in turn leads to better customer outcomes 
and you know them singing your praises and obviously you know generating that amazing word of mouth referrals to do that sort of volumes in your in your first year so uh yeah well done that's that's amazing so then let's have a look in terms of you know obviously we we started and we had a really good first year in terms of then to obviously with that becomes challenges, right? Because as we grow and we grow so quickly, uh, and you mentioned earlier, you didn't, you know, quite put the planning that you wish you probably should have. What were some of the things that you learned through that sort of um, growth in terms of the the scaling teething problems that we have um, that, that you sort of remember back to those days? Yes, uh, Ross, I remember everything. And I think the biggest nugget is also one more thing is, knowing your bank's policy you want to deal with. The more policy reading you do, the better, because the policies are the backbone of every bank. Once you know what is in a policy, then you can work around it with the customers in the bank. But going on your question, um, challenges, uh, as every broker has, is we are salespeople, we're not people managers, right? <laughs> so that's a challenge we all go through. I have a first employee who had hired in the first six months, and I used to, I got her for 25 hours a week. And I used to ask her to, you know, check my emails and stuff. But I used to still do hands-on, putting a deal through, processing it myself, meeting the customer, doing the structure, basically doing everything, right? And planning, <clears throat> planning would have been if I would have hired more people or I could have seen through that where I could go. The only goal I had made ever was when I went to a local award function for the group, and I saw someone getting the number one award and I said, I want to get that in three years. That's the only goal I had in my head, nothing written on paper. And I was just working towards, my main goal always was that how many customers can I get into the house? It was not how many dollars will I make? How many millions will I settle? It was how many people can I get into the house? No. And that was the biggest kick or the biggest motivation for me that, okay, I remember customers took one of my customers took one year to find a house. So there's constant follow-up. So any mortgage brokers, as you would also say, is that it's making sure that you understand the customer and their needs in terms of needs analysis, in terms of the fact find we all do, making sure we understand about where they want to be and then work with them towards their goal. And when their goals are achieved of finding a property in the right property, you feel a sense of you know, achievement yourself. So I love, I, love, I love just what you said there, right? Because this is a thing and I work with lots of brokers and I talk to lots of brokers and, you know, a lot of brokers focus on what they need, right? And they, they're very transactional mindset. What do I need? Like, oh, I need a payslip. I need this. I need that. And, and they focus on what they need rather than flipping the switch and going, I'm going to focus on what the customer needs, right? And I love what you were saying um, there about your goal is not about dollars, not about loan numbers, it's about customers and it's about customer outcomes. Because I think if you flip the switch then, and it's no wonder that you're one of the top brokers in New Zealand because the top brokers focus firstly on relationships and secondly on transactions. Right, so I love what you were saying there, and uh, sorry to cut you off, but it's just such a fantastic point. I wanted to to highlight that. No, it's fine, Ross. You can cut me off anytime because as we are salespeople, I can't stop talking. <laughs> 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 so, so you would you would have to cut me off when you want to. But the point is that uh, you are right. You know, I'll just bring it to everyone's attention again that 
if we don't have customers, either way, so bank customers, the internal network, and the outside, the customers who give us business, if both these customers are not happy, a mortgage broker's job is not done. So making sure that balance is created and making sure that best customer outcome, and as you said, flipping towards the customer, my biggest thing, or I'll say the biggest element which I go back and when I'm talking to you, thinking around it, is being how to comfort a customer. Give the comfort customer the comfort which they can't get from a bank, which they can't get from other people who are transactional. If you're giving them the comfort that, hey, mate, I'm going to stand with you, don't worry. If it's a first option, I'll stand with you. I'll go with you to the auction. If it's your first time, no problems. If this is what you want to do in first investment, no problems. If you say, oh, but I will only have a problem for you. No, we are problem solvers. A point is to derive a solution for the customer. They come to a mortgage broker for a solution. And if you can't give them a solution, right, it's like going dealing with a bank. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh, exactly. And that, you know, and, you know, that is the, the whole business, right? We, we are our own product. We selling ourselves at the end of the day, but you know, what differentiates us and you mentioned a couple of things there in terms of, Hey, it's not just about the transaction, not even about the product. It's about me helping you get into a home. Right. And so if that means I have to teach you how to make an offer at auction, I'm going to do that. I'm going to stand alongside you. I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do and what moves you need to make. And, you know, that then comes down with a different level of expertise, right? So as you say, you, you start off and your, your average broker will learn and they'll learn the credit policy, they'll learn the products, they'll learn the rates. Um, but the next level is, okay, I'm going to understand everything about the market, right? I'm going to understand the buying process. I'm going to understand the first home buyer market. I'm going to understand the investment market. And that level of expertise is exponential, right? Because all the things you can learn about business, about, you know, financing, it, it goes on and on. So, you know, it's what you learn every, you know, the, the quote that, that, it's what you learn once you know everything that counts is especially true in mortgage broking. And if you're like me, Dev, you're an endless learner and um, there's always stuff that you can learn about different markets that we can serve, isn't there? Definitely, definitely. It, it really helps you to understand the overall market situation, reading articles, fixing versus floating interest rates, and then having your own opinion because... We can't advise them on everything, but we can have our opinion or a commentary in terms of, yeah, you know, probably this is where I would think it would go, but you could be wrong as well. But most of the times you create an understanding of a market where you could give a customer some peace of mind. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I love that. I love that. Peace of mind in terms of is everything. And I guess it's it's why they come and choose to work with a broker because again, can work to a bank staff, but they're not going to be around, right? A broker is long-term, someone that's going to stay with them. That's going to give them that peace of mind with something, you know, it's not every day they go and spend, you know, whatever it is. What's the average price in Auckland at the moment? A million dollars. Yeah, it's not every day that they spend a million dollars, is it, right? So when you're spending a million dollars, I want people on my team that are going to give me that peace of mind because it's damn stressful, right? So, uh I love it. Love it. Uh, so let's, you know, move into, you know, as you sort of grew your team in terms of a now you mentioned, you know, you, you've got quite a large staff with like 32 people on your team and um, 11 contract advisors. 
and uh, 22 sort of back office support staff in, in turning some internal brokers. So you, you went from a sales guy who didn't like managing people to now running a big team. So what's the secret to running a big team? Um, there's no secret. I think uh, when we are salespeople, as I'll take you to 2013 and 14, 15, when I was growing. So my first year was 66, second year was 99, right? Third year went past 150, and then after that, 200 plus started, right? So, so basically, as I was growing, and you hire people, as a broker, you want to make sure that you give the best customer service to the customer, right? And in that, I went through a lot of people. I went through a lot of high turnover of team of people who I hired and gone, hired and gone, because at that time, you're in, you know, you can't control your nerves in terms of making sure you get the best customer outcome, best customer service. And then your staff gets overpressured in terms of a lot of work which comes through. And when you start, you you know try to micromanage as a mortgage broker. You want to do everything yourself. You want to make sure you're across every deal. You want to make sure that your team is doing the right thing. But we forget one thing, that everybody has their own speed of learning and doing things. And everybody needs to enhance their skill while they work with you. But when you want to control everything as a mortgage broker, you sometimes try to overshadow in terms of, no, this is the right way. You do it this way or you don't do it. So I learned, I did a lot of mistakes. Uh, a lot of issues came in in terms of managing people. A lot of issues came in in terms of you know delivery systems. I always made sure that my customers are not unhappy. And that's where, if you don't create a balance in life, which we all learn with COVID-19, creating a balance, um, you go towards one you know, end of the spectrum and then you start losing the other end. So as and when I had grown, I had tried to hire managers, tried to hire people, different stints. Another thing as a budding advisor or somebody who's just started making money, you start to basically you know, hire in terms of not spend too much money on hiring. You want to do some more marketing or more investments. And that's another blunder we do when we grow. So I learned it the hard way that it's not about, you know, you and your way. It's all about standardizing the process and keeping a minimum expectation of your team and making sure they're right people to manage the team. In today's time, I've got a very, you know, a very great gentleman uh, who's my general manager, who's managing the whole team. So I'm not involved in day to day. I'm basically going out and getting new business and, you know, trying to you know, convert customers and talk to them if there's a problem. Our GM basically looks after the team, the admin team, and he's growing the team. Then there's a contracting advisors team, which basically also grows with us and understands I work with them. Then there's another backbone person who really worked with me in terms of licensing and creating a system, our own system of a CRM. So we have got our own bespoke CRM system. Um, automations became a new thing with this guy who came on board. It basically, he started and helping me in automations and making sure that the customer's rollovers were given on time, they were sent an email on time, birthday cards were sent on time. And another thing which Ross, I always believe that we can do as many emails and e-cards, but I always believe till um, in last year that whenever this customer's milestone, like a birthday, we should always send them a physical birthday card handwritten because in today's time, you only get mails which are full of bills. Yeah. Or you don't get anything. Gone are the days of you, you know, personally getting a you know a birthday card 
or an anniversary card or something personalized. Wow. So I would always recommend, you know, that's what I always did when I was on the field that go and meet the customers on their milestones. You want a house? I'm going to come and get lunch for you. You're moving? I'll make sure that I come with pizzas at night so that your move is easy and I'll help you out. And making sure that after the settlement, there was a settlement call which was done and asking them, is everything okay? Because as I said, sometimes we are running so fast that we forget the basics. Mm -hmm. So what I learned overall going backwards and forwards is that never forget the basics. Keep yourself in, you know, there's a word called equanimity, making sure that you kept your equanimity and making sure that you don't lose that balance. I did lose my balance many times. I lose, lost some customers, won some customers in the ride of getting more and more business. But what I learned is, and which I'm implying to my business every day now, is that the right people, right skills, and the right skill set when is in front of customers, everybody's happy and you are happy and at peace. Yeah, love it. Love it. And, um, you know, in terms of, I think, you know, when you've got a team, how important is it? And, and one of the things that you just said was, you know, the, the right skills in the, doing the right roles. And, you know, how important is that? And because, you know, people don't have a wide range of focus, do they? But if you can get people in the right seats doing exactly the right roles and they're clear on what they're doing, you know, I know I found that in my business. It's so important. Um, how, just comment on that for me. Yeah. So in terms of what are some of the different roles that you have within your business okay. um, that, yeah. that um, are sort of specific to the task and that you need those right skill sets? Yes. So uh, what we're doing, Ross, is that what I had always you know, learned and what are my learning so far is that you need to have people who could be your sales support, your frontline people who could basically make sure that the rollovers are done on time, customers are contacted, making sure that the advisor who's given the advice is available to advise those customers to fix or float, making sure that nobody in the team is giving an advice. So we've got a structure of sales support, which is going to make sure that they do the documentation. The, you know, the documentations are collected, the checklists are followed. Once the documentations are collected, they have loaded in the system, then it goes to the lending team, the lending managers or loan writers, as you call in Australia, as basically people who would then process the deal and make sure they coordinate with the bank on my behalf, making sure I'm in the loop and making sure uh, before they process it, my diary notes and the way to put it through, the strategy, the structure is done through by me. And then the lending team follows through. Once the approval comes in, then we meet the customer, do a structure meeting with them. So the lending, so the sales support, the lending team, and then the insurance team comes in to make sure that it's all closed and the customers are protected and the families are covered. And then the sales support, the sales support team always takes over again in terms of managing the customer day to day in terms of inquiries, banking stuff, forms and other stuff so that every team can do things properly. Now, this structure was made uh, in the last six to eight months with my new general manager. Before that, we used to have sales support. Lending manager, so a lending manager used to do everything and the sales support used to do documentation and rollovers. So now we've increased the sales support team to a higher number because we only want the lending writers to only write process the deal and not do any other paperwork. Yeah. So that basically speeds up the process for everyone. 
definitely, definitely. I think, you know, doing that and getting those people focused in their right areas, they become experts in what they're doing. And I'm sure if you were like me, you would go to your lending team and ask questions because you, you get out of the habit of doing it and they become uh, more experts than you in terms of because you're focused on your front end piece and they you leave them to uh, become the experts of that piece. Exactly. And that's where, you know, uh, having a general manager or having team leaders in different, so sales support is a team leader, then we have a lending team leader, then they all report to a GM. Then we've got uh, our compliance and product team separately as well. So this is the background team, which does all the compliance piece, making sure that there are scorecards being made for every advisor, contracting or non-contracting, making sure that we are following the, you know, the Financial Market Authority FMA guidelines. As you would know that New Zealand is also going through a lot of changes in terms of you know, customer care as what Australia had gone through many years back. So we are going through that and making sure that any advice piece has gone through me or an advisor who's accredited to the banks. This is very, very important in New Zealand and obviously in Australia as well. So everything is important. As I said, the balance of the right structure and the right policy is important. Love it, love it, love it. So um, in terms of, I love this conversation. I mean, there's been so many, uh, so many gems that, that you've shared from customer service to internal networks, to growing and scaling a team. Uh, I think you know, it's adding a lot of value. In terms of the one thing that, that I'd love to talk on, and we, we chat a little bit about this off air, is how important is it to have a focus on growth? Um, focus on growth is the spearhead. Now, if you are trying to basically run, you know, when we run, we focus on an end goal, right? That's basically get, you know, I believe in manifestation. Right. So having the right manifestation on the right amount of growth is important. My learning was that when I when I started as a mortgage advisor or a broker, I wanted to grow, you know, at the fastest speed possible. But what I learned in the in the first three years is that or four years is that it's important to have the right amount of growth and channelize it. So your question about the growth, it's important to know and have a goal in place, but making sure that it's broken down further in terms of customer outcomes. So if your growth is related to customer growth, you can't go wrong. Beautiful. So let's, let's um, I'm interested to dig into that a little bit more in terms yeah, of sure. how you sort of break down that. Um, all right, so we've got an end goal in yeah. terms of, and then just give me some, a little bit more meat around how you actually then go ahead and break down that growth. Well, I'm a very uh, philosophical character. <laughs> so I've, I've always believed in one thing, what has worked for me. I never used to sit down and write big business plans. I used to I used to write, okay, I want to grow these many customers this year, right? X amount. Mm. And for that, I would need to do as many loans, right? So what I used to do is that I used to manifest that, okay, if I have to work on 500 customers this year, right? That at that time, the average size was half a million to 600,000. Mm. So I said, okay, 500 customers is my growth target this year. There'll basically be 250 million or 250 million or 200 odd million a year. What I need to do is I need to make sure that I've got my team who are well versed in terms of writing their business and myself. I mean, 
I didn't have a life. I would say that I used to work literally every hour of the night or morning to make sure that either I'm processing a deal or talking to a customer or entertaining a customer or entertaining some key guests or you know clients or bankers to making sure that everybody was kept updated and everybody was kept happy as you know the mortgage broker. So breaking down further, it comes down to when you go to number of you know lending, then you go to number of customers. Then you see what is your database? How many people do you have at this stage, right? And then you understand the basics that all these customers who are referring me business is basically amplifying one customer is giving me at least you know five to 10 customers. So what I need to do is I need to make sure that I'm looking after and talking to my customers and leave the rest because manifestation is the biggest thing which we all need to work on. At the end, we all are instruments which are you know thrown to play or which are born to play. Mm. And sometimes we believe or we think that we control everything and we do it. But I personally on a philosophical side believe that we are all meant to do certain things and everything is planned. We just go and do our part and the plan comes to fruition. Yeah. If I say or you say, you know, you've been a very successful mortgage broker and you've interviewed so many people, uh, what I would say or you would you know testify it or you can tell me if I'm wrong, that the basic for every salesperson is making sure that they're doing a good job by, by the customer and by themselves and working as hard as possible. But we all go through a break point at one time. How do we control and come out of that break point? That's the most important key for us, Luca. Yeah. What do you think? And yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, in terms of, uh, I agree, in terms of uh, about what a lot of those things you say, you've got to put it out there, you've got to um, put your goal out there, it creates that different energy and it creates that, um, you know, the willingness and the belief that you can obviously go out and, and do it, which is which is so powerful. And then um, you, you know, you share people and you get people along the journey, right? You share that vision and, and uh, you get them along the journey to, to really share that. So uh, I love that. And um, yeah, I think it's really, really powerful in terms of setbacks I, I definitely agree you know but that's part of you know being human cool. and learning from our mistakes right and uh exactly. you know i um used to say that you you build a system and the system will work until you outgrow that system and then you break it right and then you and have then you to make another one the pieces and then you have to rebuild it again and um you know and that is constantly happening and i'm sure you know from yourself dev as you grow and you get more and more referrals and um, yeah, you have to keep evolving, right? It's, it's that sort of growth, um, the, the natural growth that comes with um, a, a growing mortgage broking practice. Exactly. And as you also, you know, you touched about on a very important point that making sure that your vision and dream is transcribed to other people. Uh, in my team, I probably, you know, the contacting advisors which we've got and other people who've joined hands is basically my goal is to now make sure that these guys become successful and become the top writers because that's the next challenge. Your internal customers, your internal people, how can you learn and make them grow? Because every story has got its own element. Mm. So yeah, can answer. I guess the biggest theme I've taken out of this conversation, Dev, is service and adding value. You know, the it's all around adding value to the customer, adding value to your internal yeah. customers whether that be your own staff or whether that be the banks that you're partnering and, and working alongside of um 
not focusing on the, the dollars because they'll be a result of the service and the value that you provide to other people. So uh, exactly. I love that. I love that. We're going to wrap it up here, but uh, I ask everyone as closing, right? So if you were getting started in the mortgage um, broking business and you were looking at, you know, growing and scaling a mortgage broking practice, what would be your one piece of advice for someone looking to do that? Be out there and be in front of as many people as possible. Don't think that you're going to convert them. Um, I always believed in one principle that everybody walking and talking would want to buy a house one day or want to grow in their finances. So everybody is a customer. Do not, you know, shadow somebody that, oh, maybe not a customer now. Keep on talking to as many people, be in front of as many people, add value and create a right balance and you'll get successful. Uh, awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed this on so many levels, Dev. I think it's been so much value to the audience and uh, it's great that you could be our first New Zealand guest. And um, there's, you know, even though you're across the ditch, the, the parallels uh, between Australia and, and New Zealand is yeah. exactly the same. It comes down to the basic philosophies in terms of how to grow a successful mortgage broking practices is exactly the same. Um, and, you know, you, you've highlighted that and it comes... It's simple, right? And you know, people overcomplicate it, but you know, they're getting that balance right with the with the um, the customers and delivering, you know, to to the banks is um, and what what a job and what a job of a mortgage broker is is really about. So, uh, thanks okay. for being with us. Thanks, Ross. Thank you so much. Good All right, this has been another episode of the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. Uh, if you want to get in touch or you're interested in being coaching uh, by myself. Uh, reach out. Also, you can follow us on Facebook. There's a billion dollar broker private group. So uh, reach out and join the group and uh, we share lots of gold on that. Uh, otherwise, you can hit me up on uh, LinkedIn, Instagram and, and Facebook and look forward to serving you and helping you grow a business that you're proud of.